Section One of The Eyes of the Movie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chuck Williamson. The Eyes of the Movie by Harry Allen Potemkin. The movie was born in the laboratory and reared in the counting-house. It is a benevolent monster of four eyes. Inventor, investor, impresario, imperialist. The second and fourth eyes are the guiding ones. They pilot the course of the motion picture. The course is so piloted that it is favorable to the equilibrium of the ruling class and unfavorable to the working class this is truer in the realm of the film than in the other arts for the film more than the other arts is the art of the people as far back as nineteen ten a commentator recognized the movie as the entertainment of quote, the self-respecting petty bourgeoisie and the working class end quote in nineteen sixteen d w griffith pioneer director of the film called the movie quote, the laboring man's university end quote in nineteen twenty five a well-known American writer called it, quote, the laborer's art, end quote. The commentator of 1910, a Harvard philosopher, asked for a motion picture that would solve all problems for the audience in melodramas of right victories over wrong. <laughs> in short, hokum because quote, there is no truth in the superstition that it is good for the public to think End quote. he wanted social stability and that is what the makers of the movie want today even though social stability means social stagnation the owners of this art industry insist that their merchandise is mere entertainment passing amusement they point the finger of reproach to the soviet film which is straightforward propaganda the urging of a positive and persuasive idea now the movie is for the great majority of people the art to which they most impressionably respond that has been admitted as quoted in the first paragraph and by the evidence of the movie's popularity most people are eye-minded the things their eyes see become the things that affect them the suggestion of the movie because they are given in active dramatic images that seem real with recognizable persons and recognizable settings and because they are repeated in film after film become the beliefs of the impressionable audience whose mind receives the suggestions like wax and retains them like marble 
the movie is the modern ritual and though its invitation its benevolence its entertainment its influence is propaganda the owners of the movie industry know that the movie is entertainment as propaganda in behalf of their class statesmen churchmen and others serving capitalism have been aware of the effectiveness of the movie for reactionary propaganda ever since the art was invented as far back as 1902 when the movie was just creeping out of the penny arcade peep show stage england was already talking about the americanization of the world in which process the movie was assigned an important part mention was made of how alert the missionaries were to the possibility of the kinetograph as propaganda for christianity by 1911 the very elite london journal country life in an editorial wrote that the kinetograph in england quote, soon became utilized for propagandistic work missionary meetings were enlivened by moving pictures of the heathen in their blindness bowing down to wood and stone we see however that this same journal in the same editorial gets excited against the film propaganda of another country that of the united states the movie is the climax to the impressions of other forms of propaganda school church press and since these are controlled by the same class controlling the movie the spectator is influenced by one driving class propaganda implanted in his mind by the decisive impression made by the film direct tie-ups of magazines with motion pictures go back to 1912 when the edison serial film what happened to mary ran in the mcclure magazine the ladies world since then the newspaper the magazine and the published book have worked hand in hand with the film we find a capitalist like hearst powerful in press film and radio footnote his outlets being hearst metrotone news produced by fox film corps and distributed by metro goldwyn mayer and cosmopolitan productions released and distributed by mgm hearst specializes in making films for marion davies and in the so-called political films the notorious gabriel over the white house which was serialized in the hearst press simultaneously with its public release and washington masquerade for instance End footnote. the printed word helps to create the atmosphere of romance around the personalities of the players the moviegoer sees on the screen a glamorous priesthood lures the laity and tells them all about life and since that other great industrialized art the radio is joined with the movie the impression is made even stronger the sound film has made the movie seem more real and television because it will pretend to come direct and untouched from the source will add to the effectiveness of the propaganda 
to indicate the relative strength of the movie i quote from a teacher who overheard two of her high school pupils discuss the merits of joseph hergsheimer's novel java head quote one of the girls had read the book the other had seen the film based on the story the first referred to the manchu woman as having given her new light in her conception of the chinese but said her friend you should have seen her in the movies she was just like all the rest of them it was all right to read about them but i don't like to see them End quote. this is the medium that is in the hands of high finance the independent producer hasn't a chance except to stick close to the average merchandise the independent producer is being pushed out speedily he is now negligible and the independent producer is not independent in conscience or courage he makes horse operas cowboy pictures fake africans cheap sex rot to edge into a controlled market by nineteen seventeen the popular serial actor and director j p mcgowan writing in a little red highbrow magazine could say quote, the day is past when small capital coupled with boundless presumption is capable of creating a millionaire overnight daily it is becoming more substantially commercialized which is but another way of saying the conservative element is coming into the ascendant End quote. it would seem that today with the movie industry at low ebb an independent might risk a film of more honest subject matter but the producer the so-called independent as well as the movie trust is part of the conservative element the middle class that is becoming more and more self-protective only one independent can offer the necessary challenge militant labor a glance at the composition of this conservative element is enlightening first there is the producer who is also dominantly the distributor and the exhibitor the three-in-one producer is a former small merchant a manufacturer a gambler or the like under financial hegemony then there is the director and those pertaining to him the scenarist the cameraman etc the director et al are seldom near the social experience the economic life of the audience who is to be reached and touched the actor is usually a conceited glorified upstart without experience or an actor whose experience in life is framed rigidly by the proscenium march or the perimeter of the silver screen together they express the nouveau riche and gross aspirations of the conservative element and it is the actor who especially colors the film since he is the golden trademark of the movie merchandise altogether they are concentrated in hollywood a circle of vested interests whose circumference does not go beyond the perimeter of the screen for a knowledge of life in nineteen fourteen 
an independent producer might possibly risk a film sympathizing with the plight of labor in that year upton sinclair's novel the jungle was made into a movie the company that produced it was permitted to go bankrupt we must not forget also that the jungle has been persistently read down by the middle class as a tract for pure food and the middle class has an interest in that in the very same year jesse lasky always a leader in the reactionary film produced the other son a film vindicating the strike-breaker and condemning the labor agitator upton sinclair sold two other stories to the movies one was an unpublished play afterwards the plot within a plot of the pot-boilers this was turned into a story of a lost will having nothing to do with the original sinclair's novel the money changers which describes j p morgan as causing the panic of nineteen o seven was sold to a personal friend ben hampton who bought it with the promise of respecting both letter and spirit it appeared as a melodrama of chinese dope traffic sinclair sought to prevent the use of his name but pathe had the contracts and ideas and names are merchandise in the courts of law if the idea is the money changers and the name is upton sinclair footnote ben hampton doesn't mention the incident in his history of the movies nineteen thirty one in nineteen thirty three upton sinclair steps into ben hampton's shoes and refuses to eliminate eisenstein's name from the distorted version of que viva mexico made by upton sinclair and saul lesser see new masses september nineteen thirty three for elaboration on this point End footnote. we have another instance in the case of an american tragedy every year sinclair gets an offer to picturize one of his stories if he'll leave out the socialism and socialism implies to the american producer anything that might remotely favor the viewpoint of labor in the little church around the corner the movie definitely asks labor to believe in the boss through the church the scene is set in a mining town an orphan lad whose father has been killed in the mine has an itch for holiness but he is derided by the villainous boy because he can't effect a miracle on a mute girl the operator persuaded by his young daughter takes the young and frustrated saint under his wing the boy becomes a clergyman a delegation of miners calls on the operator demanding safer working conditions the hard-hearted boss refuses to listen since it is only a question of the heart a way must be found to soften that organ the clergyman goes back to his people a cave-in takes place the clergyman digs in and rescues the entombed men the church you see is the savior of labor 
but the workers want revenge on the boss what cries the young minister would you use violence now really the mute girl grown older and dumber stands near him he prays she prays the lips move my god she speaks a miracle the mute girl speaks and the boss sees the light the men too they are convinced the boss's hard heart is as soft as a woman's now all is honky-tonky or is it honky-dory and hotsy-totsy capital and labor embrace to strengthen the religious appeal the doughnut damsel of the sa salvation army stands by to help the war isn't over yet but today the theme of capital and labor is carefully avoided the laborer is either a clown or a romantic swashbuckler who gets the girl should a riveter fall in love with an heiress another gay racketeer hero in this way labor is cajoled and flattered and diverted from the fact at hand the fact of struggle in the farcical comedy it is usually one of the lower classes who is the buffoon he is a goof a nut a classic hobo a christian innocent who however most often like the valiant little tailor wins by the accident of wit at the lucky moment of course the successful class cannot admit its success is purely luck it is wit turning accidents into account so that in effect luck isn't luck at all dominance is due entirely to the divine right of quick thinking inspired by the devotion of a pure maiden the negro gets special jim crow treatment he is not new to the american film long ago bert williams appeared in the movie before the war sigmund lubin produced all negro farces in philadelphia they portrayed the negroes as indolent idiots it was the film of the jeffreys johnson fight in which the negro pugilist won that thrust the negro out of the movie the battle took place on july fourth nineteen ten and was the climax to the bitter racial sentiment that followed upon the panic of nineteen o seven the southern bosses had seized the opportunity and intensified the breach in the working class as a way of deflecting the class attack a typical strategy there was the atlanta railway men's race war in the popular theater announcement had to be made on the showing of uncle tom's cabin that a completely white cast was playing the negro roles it is only very recently that this perennial has been filmed with negroes and then in a genial manner hardly indicting the white masters of today 
End of section one.